You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. How you doing? We're angry. We? That is you and the, what is that, a moose, a stuffed moose you're, you're displaying? Correct. Or what? You, you, you deployed the moose ahead of me. And uh-huh. This- a reference I mean, to the the Salzburger uh, motif of uh, he, he deployed a moose to say let's yeah. get serious and talk honestly about things no yeah. one wants to talk honestly about. Okay, right. So we're going to do that. My, what are we going to talk about? My moose is bigger than your moose, Mickey. We're Ma- better than that. Mom we're better always. Than that. Mom always. Although loved you best. speaking of that, speaking of that, do you think the reason Trump had trouble walking down that ramp is because he has little tiny feet? <laughs> That's not a moose point, Bob. Okay, you missed sorry. you missed my Smothers Brothers reference. No, I saw. I, I heard it. Okay. Mom always liked you. Okay. Best. Yes. Okay. The the noted uh, personage Megan Dom compared us to the Smothers Brothers on Twitter. That was the high point of my week. Perhaps Mine too. My, well, I was ambivalent because I wasn't sure which of us was Tommy. What what percentage of our audience do you think even knows who the Smothers Brothers were? A long time ago. Fifty percent. Yeah, roughly. They um well I I would be um I would be the dumb one who was That was Tommy. Dick. Thank you. That was Tommy. Yeah. But Tommy played guitar and I have a guitar right here. That, so that seems to me a, a fair deal. Uh, you get to play the guitar and be I, the dumb I, one. Fine. Yeah. Um okay, well <laughs> it's a deal then, okay. Yeah. Um <laughs> The, I, I don't, I'm not sure I kind of get the compare. I mean, the other thing to compare us to is the odd couple, which used to happen to us in olden days when we first started this, before the long hi- hiatus, which led to the popular demand that brought us back. You remember the popular demand. Um, no. yeah, anyway, they used to compare us to the odd couple, and people have been doing that recently, and uh, almost without giving it much thought, people seem to think that I am obviously Felix. I personally think that deeper reflection might might make it that less obvious, but whatever, whatever, fine. It's pretty obvious, Bob. Okay, you win. But oh, there's a Felix. Yeah. There's a Felix side to you, is my point. And there's an Oscar side to me. Hey, Mickey, have you ever placed a bet at a racetrack? I think w- once or twice. When you go to a racetrack, you have to place a bet. But I've. Okay, I, I'm, yeah, that's a surprisingly Oscarish dimension of you. I thought I was going to one up you there. Never mind. Um, so, uh, getting serious. This is the first week when I thought that I might wind up in a mountain cabin holed up with a shotgun like the Patrick Swayze and Red Dawn. Uh, oh, not like Ernest Hemingway. Well, that's good. No, thank God. Uh, no, I mean, we have all these things happening, the pandemic, and the, the new thing in the riots uh, and the protests is that the police are starting to go on strike, okay? And when the police are start they? to go on strike in Atlanta... What? Oh, did they? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of these, you know, blue flu type things, but supposedly they didn't show up in three precincts and... Three and, of the sectors, and this is and, in protest of the arrest of the cop in the and, Wendy's. And, and not just the arrest, but they charged him with murder under circumstances where it's hard to see murder. I mean, maybe the killing shouldn't have happened, and the mayor was right; it was unjustified. Well, well, but 
But my, my murder is a little yeah. steep. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly not as clear-cut and egregious a case as the George Floyd killing. My understanding is that cops aren't allowed to shoot fleeing suspects in the back. I, I'm sure that what this cop's lawyer would say is, hey, this guy had a taser and he had actually fired it at the cop once. I, I think it's hard to imagine there was any kind of real threat to the cop, but... I mean, this well, was right. a heat, this was a heat of the moment thing. Whereas the, what was creepiest about the George Floyd killing is that it wasn't. But, uh, I thought I thought the DA's argument was that he fired it twice, so he obviously had no more shots left, and the cops should have realized that uh, that that he you know well, he should again, have been counting yeah. the shots. Um, the there is a there is a a, a very very sub rosa uh, criticism of the charges in the Floyd case that they, they think uh, some guy, and I'll, I'll send you the link, wrote a piece uh, arguing that it'll be hard to convict him because uh, it's like with the Rodney King thing, the procedures were at fault. He's following the procedures, and the procedures are pretty harsh. It, a guy who had done what Floyd did and showed uh, uh, symptoms of this extreme distress syndrome or something that Apparently, cops are terrified of. That's what they recommend doing. Plus, uh, what they recommend he, putting a knee he, on their neck. Yes. What, 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 but what? What if they're showing the symptom of unconsciousness, which he was showing for the last couple of minutes? Uh, I, I don't think knee on the neck is formally prescribed in that case. That, that would no. I he, think the he guy would have had to have been freelancing. He did. He, he, did he, he, he obviously did something wrong. But the point is, it's hard. It, 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 the point is, you. you you know, that would be the charge. It would not be the charge that he put a knee on his neck. And also there's the argument that he might have died of something else. There's some, uh, all the drugs in his system and, the, and, uh, and a bad heart. So it's normally the knee on the neck nah, might have, not have produced that result. Hell of a coincidence. But, uh, but anyway. Not, wait, wait, why is it a coincidence? This is the case we know about. All the cases where it didn't happen, we don't know about it. This is the case where the guy died. No, but I mean, for, the all, guy, we know, for all we know, cops are putting are their we knees really on people. Are really going to litigate the George Floyd killing, Mickey? I mean, no. Well, you're the you brought this up. I thought it, I didn't <laughs> no, think that was I a didn't. good point. You did. You brought up the point about how um, he, how he was unconscious. I'm that's no, not an original point on my part. No, you brought up the point that uh, that as if this was the only time anybody ever put a knee on somebody, which is not true. Well, no, but what's unusual? I mean, the guy was clearly unconscious, and he kept a knee on the neck. We don't need to. We don't need to. You know, the, the, I'm not the, defending um, it. I'm just pointing I, out that I, there I, is a there is a revisionist view of that too. Well, sure. I mean, the the, the uh, you know they didn't originally charge him with what is it now? Second degree murder. Yeah. It was originally third. They upped it to either second or first. Uh, but. Um, Anyway, uh, the consequences continue to play out of uh, that. Right. But it, it, it just, it seemed like things took a turn for the worse and the craziest, cra- crazier this past mm. week, uh, in a way that will terrify, uh, you know, th- four weeks, five, uh, two months ago, I was terrified that I was going to be on a ventilator and they were actually not going to let me on There's a good news on that front. They now have yeah. a drug that reduces the, the, the death rate of people on ventilators by a third. And of people I, thought was, on, I thought it was one in eight. No, I think it's it's yeah. for people on oxygen. Who, uh, that's the, the stage before ventilator. It's one. It's around 20 percent. For people uh, on the ventilator, it's around thirty percent. This is this is genuinely significant, if yeah. true, and the study seems pretty solid. This is important. 
because it seems important. It wasn't the anyway. But let's get back the to your terror. Magic, of, of, wasn't of, the of, magic uh, pill? No, I just think I think this is a week when um, everything fell apart, and you you went no, and when a when shotgun. Uh, when uh, white people in the suburbs who thought and black people who thought they were protected, maybe and all this craziness like the sixties was going to go on and pa- and pass the way uh, the way it did in the sixties eventually took a while. Uh, uh, might might have thought, well, maybe it's not. If you don't have the police there, you're in big trouble. Well, see, it's funny. I have been more attuned this week to the, a different dimension of con- of consequences. Of the, of the George, uh, Floyd killing, which have ranged from, uh, hearing the word Juneteenth at least seven times on NPR today, which didn't used to happen, which is, which is, which is fine. I mean, I, I do, it kind of, uh, it kind of gets back to my point of how much actual substantive, uh, reform and policy is going to emerge from this as opposed to things like that. But, Ranges from that to Washington Post piece uh, digging up uh, a Halloween party from two years ago, uh, which we can discuss. You're, you're not objecting to Juneteenth. It's a good holiday. I'm not. It's fine. Right. It's fine. But what I'm saying, uh, and I can get to it later, is, is just um, I wish more would come from this than just that kind of thing. And um, but, but right. I mean. But, I th- I think some good things will come of it. They won't be that sweeping, but uh, there's well, definitely like going to gonna see, be. I'd like to see sweeping things. I'd, I'd like to see like what's what sweeping thing? Radically increased taxes on rich people that go toward um, education and uh, toward health care for lower income people and uh, and education. I mean, both public schools and secondary education, vocational training. Um, and infrastructure that benefits uh, low-income people like uh, public transportation. I, I I may write about this. I got into it a couple of weeks ago with you. Like I was saying that I think it's if you limit the reforms to things that are explicitly about race as opposed to things that just are, are explicitly more about like class and income level and stuff but disproportionately help people of color um, – then you're going to leave a lot on the table, and you're going to wind up focusing on uh, on uh, settling for things like Juneteenth, which again is fine. I just don't. The, it, there's just if not the much. Objection is meat to police. There. If the objection is to police brutality, why not take measures to stop police brutality? That too, of course. That too, of course. But you well, know those it. things that, that that might degenerate into tokenism, as Senator well, Durbin there said. Well, the, there uh, the problem is that just the reforms. It, it, that's a challenging area of reform. You can ban chokeholds. They'll probably do that. But it's like, you know, if indeed the problem is systemic racism, that's a hard thing to address at the policy level is all I'm saying. And and and, uh, and, and maybe some of these less substantial things will help with the problem of racism. I'm genuinely not sure. I don't know. I think you could equally well be cynical and say they are bones being thrown to distract people from the lack of actual significant meaningful policy. And um, you know, um but I don't know. It's a little I, I, it's a little bit it's a little uh it's a long a long journey from we're going to increase health care for the poor to somehow that winds up in a long way reducing police brutality. Eventually, I mean, well, the, look, no, the, 
the the, the I'm saying the, the police brutality. Between, the connection between my connection between yeah. welfare reform and reducing police brutality was a lot more direct than that. Well, no, it's not. I mean, you just said that that George Floyd had. You alluded to the fact that he had fentanyl in, in his bloodstream. Well, maybe if he had had better health care, he there there would have been uh, some kind of rehab that got him off of it. I don't know. Or maybe if all the stuff I'm describing ha- had happened, he wouldn't have been in the place uh, he was in. I mean, that, well, maybe, that, that maybe that's what you're there, saying. Maybe if there had been full employment and a jobs program, he wouldn't have been casting a counterfeit twenty. That's true. Yeah, all kinds of things. But um, it, it, that's, just, more, just, that's more direct than schools and health care. I mean, I'm on for those things. I'm a, I'm a liberal, Bob. But 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 the, it just seems to me that's going to the 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 the, the most uh, sort of uh, grand, systematic, indirect level when I think people want something more direct. Well, they do want they they there does seem to be a demand for direct things. I'm I'm just asking how substantive and enduring are the things that are direct that are directly. About race. I know there's been tremendous progress. Brutality. You know, there's been tremendous progress in police killings. Happens all the time, but there are a lot fewer of them than there were ten years ago. And uh, and and so, uh, why can't there be more progress? It it, yeah. it it's, doesn't strike me as impossible. No, there can be. There should um, be. Uh, um, I would just like. I would just like to see. I would just like to see a lot more. Um. um the the. It, Final thing on my list of three things that are, that I think are indirectly related to the Floyd killing, like the New Yorker ran a piece about how Flannery O'Connor was a racist. I think I think that's that also is something that probably wouldn't have oh. run, which is which is also fine. It's just um, it just seems so many of the things are intangible. A lot of people were racist. Well, that's and, and the we point. don't necessarily I mean, we don't she grew up you know, in the South before World War Two. And sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with their actual accomplishment, and we you should be able to honor the accomplishment without accepting the racism. Um, I, I'd name what? a name, but I'd be libeling people. So. That's an open question. You what? I would name a name, but I don't want to libel anybody. Wait, give me a clue. No, I can't because it turned out it turned, when I looked into it, he wasn't such a racist anyway. Um. The uh, uh, but you were going to talk about this Washington Post party piece, which was we can put that on. It's just, worth- it's it's, it's, a, it's another example of um of height, heightened consciousness of racism, uh, being what what goes out of this. Uh, it, it, it's you know the the the, the Tom Tolls. Um, well, why did you describe it? Because not everybody. Yeah, I mean, is it worth it, or should we should we save it for later? It. Aren't there things you're? But wait, first I'm going to get back to like I I have been oblivious to this thing you're worried about the growing actual physical threat of like disorder or something. I miss this. Is this something happening um, in California? I know you're. you're well, it, it 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 after the Rodney King rise, there were a few years where the police were hard to find, and there was a sense of mild growing lawlessness, like cars would go sixty miles with. An hour on the street down here where they used to go 40. And, and, but there were, there wasn't any sense of violence, but, uh, uh, you know, the, and there was a, there, I think there's statistics that there was a blue flu after the Ferguson, uh, protests, uh, the so-called Ferguson effect. And, uh, but in Atlanta, it seems to be, uh, 
it's they it's gone seems to have gone one step further where the cops basically say we're done you want a city without police here it is it's all yours uh and that i think that terrifies people now the cops could be fired and they could be replaced but yeah it takes a while to train a cop and uh you know if you hire bad cops as famously happened in washington dc about 20 years ago uh you know, they, you, you wind up being cops that are drug dealers and then you wind up with a horrible situation where you have a corrupt police force. So, uh, all those things are bad. Uh, but don't they, aren't they usually, uh, transient? I mean, the cops do this for a couple of days to make their point and well, that's it. I hope. But it is seemed more severe than before. And, uh, I mean, if you were a cop and in the heat of the moment, you know, some guy, grabs your taser and fires it at you and you you shoot him uh and you're charged with murder i mean i mean i i would feel a certain solidarity with my fellow cop there well to me that's not it's not nearly as clear-cut as the buffalo case we discussed where where those guys were really just doing what they were told to do um and and, and they may do jail time i, have, I mean this, I mean, this old- guy look i, I mean it's easy to, you know, it's like when you watch these things in slow motion, it's easy to say what you would have done. And, and, you know, when you're not there in the heat of the moment, but it's pretty clear that what the ideal police behavior there is not to shoot the guy. Um, certainly not to fire three shots, but, but really not to shoot the guy. I mean, he's running away from you. I guess you could say as long as he's in possession of a taser, he's a threat or something, but come on. No, I agree. I agree with that. The ideal thing, you know, he had, he had, Tried to tase him in the leg, and the the scary thing is, of course, if they actually do tase a cop, then they, then then you can take their gun. There's a so. very kind of poignant video of this guy, the guy who was killed. As it happens, he had been interviewed. He had been incarcerated once, I think, and he had been interviewed about how hard it is once you've been incarcerated to uh you know to get a job and so on. And it was really, I mean, especially in light of these events, it was very kind of. Uh, moving, and I suspect, I didn't, I, I haven't, I didn't watch like the whole video of this if there is one, but I suspect the one reason he was freaked out about getting a, a DWI, and I think that's what started the trouble, right? Like he was completely cooperative, I think. Until they tried to cuff him. Right. And I think because of his past, this was going to be a very big problem if he was arrested again. He had been, he had actually been in prison, um, he had a family, and, uh, yeah. so it's, See, it's I, I don't uh, know what the cops, they never said you are under arrest. Uh, I don't know if they have to do that formally. They said, you know, put your hands behind you so I can, huh. so I can take you into custody or something. It was not, they didn't say any magic words, I, I, but I guess he obviously knew what was happening. I do have a, I have, I have, I have a, um, a correction on the buff on the, is the Rochester thing the old man who was shoved and hit his head? That's Buffalo, I think. Oh, was that? Did you refer to that? No. Yeah, I just did. Okay. He, I, I watched that video again, and he's clearly he doesn't. He, there was no sense that I got that he was faking it or or falling like a okay. basketball player. Yeah, I he, agree. He, um, old old people just fall funny. They 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 I mean that 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 woman who was clocked by a passerby. I mean they they just they don't they don't break their fall the way. Prior yeah, it's, it's a reaction time thing. Yeah. Um, and so this guy was not faking it. He just, he, he just, he, I think the cop was shocked by how quickly he, uh, fell down. But, uh, that's for the, that's for, for people to decide. But 
the, the idea that I think Trump alluded to it, and I think it's wrong. Yeah. The idea that he was faking it. Um, yeah. So, um, so okay. Anyway. I, I, I think I can reassure you that that, that society is not falling apart. Okay, good. The Supreme Court is falling apart. There's a transition. That is a transition. And so you you're unhappy with both with both cases. There were two horrible cases this week. I mean, it's like it's like the answers, entire. I guess that answers my question. The entire Trump, uh, you know, Trump's ace in the hole was always well, you know, but for but Gorsuch, I got Gorsuch. He's a great appointment, and and Kavanaugh is a great appointment. And Kavanaugh does seem Kavanaugh came through the week smelling like a rose. He made the right call in both cases. Uh, seems like a sensible fellow. Uh, the two cases were, uh, one involved the Civil Rights Act of 64, which prohibits, uh, discrimination on the basis of sex and race. And there was a whole debate in Congress, uh, over wh- whether to include, uh, sexual orientation, uh, a- as one of the, uh, additional grounds for, for being, an, you know, for illegality, an additional protected category. And we had this whole debate, and it never made it into law. And now the Supreme Court comes along and says, oh, it was there all along. Uh, it's it, discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation is is discrimination on the basis of sex. And it was all because of some complicated logic game that they managed to get well, Judge Gorsuch uh, now, to buy into. Okay, tell uh, me wait, if I, can I, can, yeah. can I go through the logic game quickly? Yeah, I was going to get into that, my understanding lo- of it, but go the ahead. The logic and- game, as I understand it, is uh, you ask Mary... Who she's attracted to, she says, I'm attracted to men. You ask Felix who he's attracted to, and he says, I'm attracted to men too. Uh, if you fire Felix, because uh, you're you're firing him for something you wouldn't fire Mary for, so you're discriminating on the basis of yeah, sex. That's clever. That's, that's the lo- that's the clever logic game. It's 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 super clever in one case, and it's sort of dumb in another in another aspect. The, um, the, what were you so, going to say? Sorry. Well. Yeah, that's what I, that's the version I had heard of what Gorsuch uh, kind of went along with, and and I learned that there's a distinction between originalism and textualism. So apparently, I mean, originalism you couldn't you couldn't reach that decision on the basis of originalism because you couldn't say, well, the people who wrote this uh, statute actually had in mind gay people. No, clearly they just had in mind right They're- men versus women. But textualism is what you just described, apparently, where. Your ruling does have to be grounded in a plausible reading of the text as opposed to some kind of extrapolation of the sort that you see in Roe versus Wade. You know, I assume that, I assume that Roe versus Wade is not defensible as textualism. Uh, but um, this, but this is, is that right? I, uh, I, th- I think that's right. I mean, Roe, but the problem, the problem, of course, is that, uh, some of the, some of the, Text in the Constitution is open ended, and you have to. You, it's yeah, very hard yeah, but to still, be Roe versus precise. Wade is like but Roe yeah. versus Wade is your extra. Your your textually analyzing the emanation of a penumbra is pri. It's an evaluation of privacy, which is not mentioned in the Constitution. So, uh, it, it, you're, it, there's no text to begin with in Roe versus Wade. Um, the uh, but the the yes, there's. It's it's very weird because when it comes to interpreting the Constitution. These, these federalist types, uh, don't talk about what's in the text. They do talk about the int- original intent of the founders. That's how they managed to dial back some but, of the wild extrapolations of liberals. But when it comes to statutes, they don't talk about the intent. They talk only about the text. And there are two kinds of textualism. There is 
what Kavanaugh said sensibly in his dissent, the ordinary meaning of the words, what we understand, what we understand them to mean, we don't understand sex to be the same as sexual orientation. Uh, and then there's the, the, the mincing, uh, Felix-like logic of Justice hey, Gorsuch. Hey, 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 careful. I've, I've trashed Felix several times already. Um, the, uh, the, um, where, where, no, no, it's not the ordinary. We're going to have this completely extraordinary interpretation of it based on logic. And the, the way it's, the way it's brilliant is, uh, there was an article by Cass Sunstein, or possibly brilliant. There may have been method in Gorsuch's madness because it makes it easier to overturn affirmative action down the road. Ah. Because, uh, uh, it, it, affirmative action, then it becomes, uh, there, you know, there, it, the Civil Rights Act prohibits discrimination on the basis of race, and there's a court case that says, oh, well, you can really have affirmative action. It does discriminate on the basis of race, but it's remedial. And if you really, you know, I guess if you tie it very precisely to we cannot hurt an individual on the basis of race, that court case interpret, you know, gets called in a question. Uh, the way it's stupid is you can fire somebody for being homosexual, but you can fire, you can't fire somebody for being homosexual, but you can fire everybody for being bisexual. I know that if you ask Mary, are you attracted, who are you attracted huh. to? He says, I'm attracted to, I'm attracted to Jane and to Felix. And you ask, uh, yeah, you know, right. somebody else you, and they're attracted you, you to Felix yeah. and to Jane. You're, you say, you're both fired. I'm applying the same rule to you. There's no discrimination right. in the basic sex. Right. Bisexuals be gone. Well, did they and address, that's okay. did, did the ruling okay. address that issue? It may have had some convoluted uh, attempt to in a footnote, but uh, I, I tweeted that out and figured I would be met with a barrage of people ripping me to shreds. Well, uh, maybe, and, and I wasn't. Maybe so. if if you break the answer down to okay, so I'm attracted to Ted and I'm attracted to Mary, and you could say, well, if you had been female when you answered the Ted question and male when you answered the Mary question. You'd be okay. Couldn't say that. Does that that doesn't make sense? No, but, I don't think it makes sense. That's not the case. The case is you said yes to both. Okay, never mind. Uh, anyway, it's, gotta, it's it's got to be way out. But but here's what I'm surprised that you're so bothered by this because I would think the difference between the two cases is whatever you think of the legal logic, you are not unhappy about the consequences. Of the ruling we've been discussing, but are unhappy about the consequences well, of the DACA ruling. Is yeah, that well, not we'll, true? Get to, we'll get to that. But well, I, the, the 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 civil rights uh, sexual orientation ruling is troubling because y- you want these things to be debated democratically. I mean, there's there. I I think I'm for including sexual orientation in the civil rights, but there are perverse consequences. You know, you first first the case of blacks is special. They they're sort of they, they they should definitely be in the civil rights, and you're sort of adding these things and saying they're like blacks, and they're not like blacks because blacks were brought here as slaves, et cetera, et cetera. They're a special case. Uh, second, so are you saying uh, gen- you're saying gender is not like race? You're saying, saying non. You add in all these protect- you can add protected classes forever and ever, and it, at some point it gets crazy, and it's also to, it's, it's a false parallel to there's a false parallel to the to the the, the situation. With African Americans, the second thing is uh, uh, it creates a perverse incentive to hiring somebody because, in fact, 
you know, you hire a gay guy, uh, he might sue you if you try to fire him. If you hire a white guy, chances are he's not going to be able to sue, sue you. Well, so, the Civil Rights so Act that, does that generally, you're saying. Right. So you okay. should apply it sparingly, and we should have a debate over whether the perverse effect outweighs the positive effect. And it probably doesn't, but it might. Eventually it might. And, and that's why we have a Congress. So you don't want the courts, especially these Federalists, whose whole thing is we don't usurp we, we, you know, we hew to the text. We don't usurp Congress. And all of a sudden they go in and usurp Congress. That's, it, it sort of gave the light of the whole Federalist project. And, and the, the DACA thing even more gave the light of it because, uh, you know, it, 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 basically what happened is, uh, Obama didn't get the Dream Act through Congress. And he said, okay, I'm just with a, str- I'm, uh, after previously saying he couldn't do it, he said all of a sudden, uh, well, I think I can get away with this. I'm going to do, sort of do it by executive order, not even executive order, but some memorandum or something. And uh, it's not going to go through the procedures of the Administrative Procedure Act. I'm just going to do it as a matter of prosecutorial discretion. And uh, Trump came in and Trump ran and said, I'm going to repeal it. And he, he, he came and he repealed it. And uh, the Supreme Court per- perversely sort of Almost conceded that basically that it's illegal. Obama should have gone through these Administrative Procedure Act procedures, but it's illegal, but Trump can't get rid of it because Trump didn't go through enough, uh, hoops in getting rid of the thing that was illegal. So it, it, A, it's insane. If it's illegal, you should be able to just cancel it. You shouldn't have to, you know, you should, if it's illegal, it shouldn't exist anymore. It should just be well, yeah, vaporized. But there, there may still be hoops you have to go through as a procedural matter to get rid of it. That happens yeah. all the time. But, but I mean, with an illegal so, law, with an illegal law, legal laws are illegal. You don't have to obey them. It's they're illegal. No, there are, there are things uh, you often have to go through. Sometimes you have to go through the courts. I mean, I mean, but you it, don't. Have, but you don't. The court doesn't say uh, yes, it is illegal, but we're going to keep it in place for another two years because you didn't write through the hoops. They say. You know, they punish you for not jumping through the hoops. Anyway, the point is... No, no I mean, the, the courts all the time say, yes, this person committed a crime, but the police did not follow correct procedure, so you can't put this person in jail. The, the courts do things like that. I don't, but it, this is procedure an ongoing... Matters, but, he, but here's my question. Is Trump... Um, can can he not just turn around and in the course of 10 days do it right and say, okay, now I'm I doing it? I think it takes more than 10 days because there's uh, a notice of comment period that lasts months. Okay, but it definitely it, takes it takes it past the election, and it, it 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 has a couple of political consequences. One, it it kills, I think it kills his plans. To his his idea was, they they put the dreamers in jeopardy, and mm-hmm. then I use that as negotiating leverage for a bigger deal. Okay, the dreamers are not in jeopardy, so there goes his leverage. He may try to do it anyway because it's a Jared Kushner project, and Jared Kushner runs the White House, as we know. But it it the other thing is it definitely puts immigration on the agenda. It puts it off into the next term, which means immigration is not going to get solved this term. It's a voting issue for next term, which helps Trump, Trump solve the problem of what the hell does he do in his second term? Why am I voting for him anyway? And the one, one answer is immigration. The other answer is we need three more conservative Supreme Court justices if, if they're ever going to, you know, if they're ever going to uh, change the direction of the court because the ones he appointed aren't enough. So do you think Roberts was just playing politics in this, totally. in this case? I mean, uh, the analogy I use is uh, supposedly there was a studio executive who dated Sharon Stone and everything is going, was going wonderfully with Sharon Stone. He's having a great time. And all of a sudden he couldn't do anything right. Okay, the restaurant he picked was wrong. 
the movie was wrong, the, the, the time he was arriving was wrong, everything was wrong, and, uh, and it was falling apart and they broke up, okay? And Roberts is like the guy who, who, who looked at the, what, what Trump did and said, uh, and I can get into the details and they're incredibly tedious, uh, you know, you, he's you, like Sharon you're Stone. Roberts he's is like, like Sharon, Sharon Stone. Stone. He's like Sharon Stone. He says, you know, you didn't, uh, you know, there's this, you have discretion to not deport people mm-hmm. and you, and, and you should have gone through the administration procedure act to affirmatively give them, uh, work permits, but you didn't consider when you, when you killed this whole thing that you might have, uh, not, you know, you might have not deported them, something you didn't have to do anyway. I mean, he, he didn't have to go through the Administration Procedure Act in order to to say you're deportable. Mm-hmm. And yet, uh, you know, Robert says you, you failed because you didn't consider that maybe you could have done this thing that you didn't want to do. Uh, the you second know- thing is, he said, when you're – it may have been illegal, but you didn't consider the reliance interests of – the DACA people. In other words, they've made plans on the basis of it, even though it was completely clear that it was a temporary thing that might blow away in the next wind. Uh, they made plans to go to school on the basis of this, and A, uh, you didn't take this into account formally. A, they did try to lo- lessen the blow. B, they did take it into account formally, but it was a, it was a, it was a statement that came, uh, a couple of months, uh, t- a few months too late. So, so Roberts didn't consider it. Okay, because he said, "Oh, that's too late." Sorry, uh, and uh, and third, you know, obviously they did, they thought the illegality outweighed the reliance interest, or else they wouldn't have done it. It's like inherent in the decision. So the idea, she's like, and, and there are all these people like uh, uh, Walter Olson, who I greatly admire, uh, uh, said, "Well, it was bad lawyering." You know, Trump, they didn't dot all the i's and cross the t's. It's like as if. If only I'd picked a better restaurant, Sharon Stone would have liked me. No. Roberts was going to find something wrong with this, whatever happened. He had, obviously had some ulterior motive, uh, and the ulterior motive was he didn't want the DACA, he, he's, for some reason, I don't quite understand why, did not want, uh, the DACA program ended before the election. You know, Mickey, uh, in the age of the internet, it's hard to come up with a truly original thought, something that somebody hasn't already laid out there somewhere on the internet. But I think analogizing Justice Roberts to Sharon Stone may be your original contribution to legal discourse. If I were you, I'd go with that. I, I'd, I'd, I'd whip up a bunch of memes as soon as we quit um, recording. No, that's totally you claimed that I was going to get a book out of my water pitcher. So, I. Um. I have a stronger feeling about this one. I, I, okay, I think, but go I ahead. think this is, um, I, I've been talking so. Well, I, I, I've always had the feeling that one thing about Roberts, I mean, clearly there's been, you know, overt tension between him and Trump. And, and one thing I think he feels strongly about is heading off any perception that this court is doing Donald Trump's bidding. And, and, uh, and, and I think it's partly a reaction to the way Trump has been, you know? Um, I sensed that long ago, and maybe this is an extension of that. Who knows? But, but even, even, even that is contrary to what the Federalists would say, which is, oh, you know, we don't take any of that into account. We just well, of course. decide on the merits of the case. Okay. Of course. Ro- but Roberts is, you know, may, may, uh, see, uh, you know, uh, a higher imperative having materialized once Donald Trump was. Yeah. But nothing he's done so far has bothered me. I didn't bother me that he 
upheld Obamacare because I support Obamacare and I think I think he was right. It's like a tax. Uh, Although that was pretty me. creative. I mean, you know, since no, they didn't call it a tax, but anyway, uh, the, it's, the, it's it's very New Dealy. There's that was John Alter wrote about this. So, you know, so anyway, famous- what what is the upshot? I mean, some people are saying that, especially the LGBT ruling hurts Trump because because he said, "I'll deliver great judges." Here's Gorsuch. Gorsuch turned out to, not to be helpful. Others are saying what you're saying. That Trump will just say, I need to appoint more. Oh, judges. no, no, it definitely hurts Trump. I'm not saying that it helps okay. Trump. I'm just saying that, I mean, it, 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 Gorsuch was, you know, one of his great achievements and he turns out to be, uh, sort of a jerk. Uh, but, um. But Roberts I, isn't know, his appointment, so. No, Roberts isn't his appointment, but, so um. You, would you say idea, LGBT ruling hurts him and DACA helps him? No, I think they both oh. hurt him. Uh, okay, good. But, uh, the, uh, I mean, his whole, the idea that he's got, he didn't build the wall. Okay. Mm-hmm. He didn't get an immigration bill through Congress. Maybe he got a good, okay trade deal. Uh, and he didn't transform the court. So, uh, he looks, he's looking sort of like a failure. Now maybe he can say, Oh, and I need one more term. And that's not an implausible argument, but, uh, but it, it would help him if it, it helps if you actually have achievements. Uh, and, and, and mainly it doesn't hurt him as much, nearly as much as it hurts. A Roberts. I mean, I know to think, of, and I, I'm not alone. In what sense think does something hurt diff- you completely differently about the guy? I thought he was a, I thought he was a pretty good chief justice, and he was, you know, the whole court seat was looking pretty good. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, it looks like yeah. a, a nice array of people. They're all conscientious, and now it turns out he has these weird political motives, and he's not being straight with us, and what the hell's going on? Wow. And it really hurts the Federalists because the whole the Federalist project was we we're gonna we're gonna avoid. These, these realist motives. We're not going to avoid the sense that we don't want to, to throw the Dawkins on the street. Uh, we're going to just do the law. And obviously, when they're, when all their fine-tuned analysis, uh, uh, butts up against realism, realism wins. And it's worse than that. They pervert their fine-tuned analysis to reach the outcome they want, just the same way, uh, liberal and, and realism is, do. Now, realism and, and is the, both a descriptive uh, kind of thing and a, and a prescriptive thing, right? In other words, you can be a, you can be a realist in the sense of just believing that rulings are actually governed by crass political right. motivations. And you can be a realist in the sense of thinking that should be the case. Correct. Right? But, and, and you're saying and I, that, that, that Roberts I, is turning out to be the second kind of realist. No, a, a prescriptive. He, he, yes, he's turning out that he has ulterior motives and, the whole point of the, the Federalists was we'll get rid of these ulterior motives. We have rigor and we analyze the text and, right. uh, and that's, that turns out to be bullshit. And the third thing is a, a point that J.D. Vance, my preferred candidate for president pointed out, and I thought he was a little extreme when this he did. This is the hillbilly that, elegy author. Right. That he, he's, he's really good because he has a way of saying things that are really quite tough in language that does not seem tough. He has that Reagan quality of he, he'll say things that are quite pointed, and you say, "This is a nice guy. He's not an asshole." So, like Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. No, so like Jay uh, Vance could say that. You know, would he be I, a I, Democrat I or Republican? Reagan, Reagan said, "You know, we have to get rid of welfare," but he didn't do it in a way where people said, "God, that guy's an asshole." Right? Would Would Jay Vance be a Democrat or I Republican? Have, I have the opposite quality. When I say get rid of welfare, everybody says that guy's an asshole. But sorry, go ahead. 
Oh, Mickey, JD, don't be so hard on with yourself. With J.D. Vance what? Sorry, That's why you should to... cultivate the Tommy side of you, Tommy with, with Smothers. J- no, J- nobody you, said you he had, was an you asshole. You had a point about J.D. Vance. Don't I just asked, it. would he be a Democrat or a Republican? Oh, he's definitely a Republican. And his uh-huh. point was that the, all the Federalists have done is achieve libertarian economic goals in the courts, but they've completely failed to achieve conservative social goals. And now, the, do you LGB, think- the LGBT thing is, is one example of it, and also... Uh, you know, controlling immigration is a conservative social well, point. Don't so, you agree? The Gorsuch thing... He was thing, vindicated. He the was Gorsuch vindicated. thing is more mysterious than the Roberts thing, right? I'm not surprised. Yes. Uh, Roberts has shown yes. signs of being a realist on goes. So what do you think's going on in Gorsuch's yes. you don't head? Know, I don't know. I don't know, Gorsuch. You don't know if... He, is it because... Did he just get conned by these left-wing lawyers who came up with this theory? Does he really believe it? Or does he think he's playing this this super-secret... Uh, four-dimensional chess game that Cass Sunstein outlines, which is he's setting up to get, in, get rid of affirmative action down the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, my experience with judges, and I have a limited experience, I clerk for a state Supreme Court, is they're pretty result-oriented. They read all the op-ed pieces, they, and they, they, they say what, uh, uh, you know, they say things like, I think it was, you know, by, uh, uh, Wizard White was, Byron White was, you know, it's time to get rid of, a, it's time to, to legalize abortion, damn it, you know. Uh, they say they, they think that's, that is how they think. They, they, they're not, Final. they're not driven by the analysis of the legal niceties. Final question. We've consumed arguably too much time discussing this, but oh, I still no, have one more question. On it. I know, but final I question. Go on. Final question. Why is it that when there's ideological drift on the part of Supreme Court justices, it's almost always to the left. Going back to Eisenhower's appointment of Earl Warren. Well, why is it that they never surprise you by drifting to the right? Um, very, very good question. I'm glad you asked that, Bob. Uh, e- either well, the general trend of U.S. history has been to the left. Uh, uh, yeah, so they, that, you could just say and, they're drifting with the times. They're yeah. drifting with the times. You could say that. Or B, it's an application of Sullivan's Law, which is any institution that isn't explicitly right-wing, constantly reinforced, over time will drift to the left because the type of people that go to college and become law clerks or go to Hollywood and become actors or go to the New York Times and become reporters or go to right-wing publications and become reporters tend to be left-wing sorts of people. Over time, if you keep hiring reporters, you're going to get more and more left-wing people. They're not churning out a lot of right-wing reporters. We're moving so, back. Um, we're moving so back toward the Halloween Sull- party, so we can so, move to that next. So, so Sullivan's law would say uh, the left captures all institutions and unless you maintain constant vigilance. It's named after yeah. which Sullivan? John O'Sullivan, former oh, editor National, of the Review? National Review. Yeah. Now, that um, reminds me. What did I hear recently? Oh, I'm going to be talking to Sarah Posner about her new uh, book on evangelicals and i just was listening to her talking and she was uh just talking about how william rusher the publisher of national review was a very different character from william f buckley but we needn't get into that you knew this um, already i did i knew that no i didn't know that i know nothing about william rusher which, which leads to my if anyone knows the answer to this question please let us know Who, where does national review get its money now i want to know i want to know that that's a a pet question of mine it's a very good question. Um, I was, there's the cruise, Bob. Uh, the, 
I was once at an. I was once at a. I, I think. Uh, I, I think Cruz is not is not going to be part of the near term uh, business model of National Review. But uh, I was once at a National Review conference in England, uh, with the, and the lead speaker was William Bennett, but Margaret Thatcher was there. You couldn't. You couldn't avoid her. You bumped into her in the hallway in the middle of the night. Uh, uh, Wait, what so does she was everywhere. She was, was hanging she? around. She was at the conference. Mm. I, I don't think she was in power anymore, but she was still Margaret Thatcher. I tried to explain who Buddy Holly was to her. Didn't get very far. <laughs> but um, uh, the but she was an impressive person. She, you 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 had conference. You had things to say. Uh, you know, and, I once found and, myself at adjacent urinals with Henry Kissinger at a conference. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to one up you. Um, and I struck up a conversation with him. I let no yeah. opportunity go. Yeah, okay. On. It's you and Hunter Thompson. Uh, I'm not Hunter quite Thompson actually bold. didn't strike up a conversation, but he fantasized a confrontation conversation. I think that's what happened. Anyway, um, uh, there were eminent people there, uh, and but there were also these donors there. All the, all these people who contributed incredible amounts of money to National Review and oh. got to go to this conference. Oh, so that that was a good way to raise a whole bunch of money. That's what we should do. Uh, um, beats Patreon. But anyway, so um, wait, you're still resisting this joint Patreon right, idea. Let's stay on topic. We can get to Patreon later. What was our topic? Remind me. The topic you were <laughs> you 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 had started oh, some national, digression no, against I just Russia. Throw that out there. We're not going to get the answer to that today, Mickey. I want if people know where National Review gets its money. Well, where does the Federalist get its money? That's the great mystery. Is that nope. the, is that the thing that that NBC supposedly tried to? Uh, yeah, I mean they tried to they tried to demonetize it, so maybe they get their money off of deprive it of its Google ad whatever revenue the, or something. Whatever the Google ad revenue is, but I, we weird. think there's some we think there's some money bags behind it. But um, anyway, the um, uh, so you, we were explaining why the Supreme Court goes to the right and goes to the left, and that would be why. And in part, it's because people read the op-ed pages. If the op-ed pages praise you every time you go left. And don't pray and attack you every time you go right, even if you're Earl Warren or Dwight Eisenhower. Well, Warren was never that far to the right, but even if you're, you know, if you're Warren Berger or if you're, even if you're Neil Gorsuch, you might eventually start drifting to well, the left. Well, what if you read the Wall Street Journal op-ed page? That's which many, one of, which that's many people One do. among 20. Yes, if there were 20 Wall Street Journals and one New York Times, that would be different. But of course, the Wall Street Journal is libertarian on economic issues and not so conservative. Yeah, but on see, the fact issues. is, I, I mean, all of this kind of makes more sense as an answer to my question. At times when society's either drifting left or remaining left, but the fact is, we've seen a kind of cons- waves of conservative counter reaction. I guess what you're saying is they they have been populist in nature. Whether we're talking Newt Gingrich, George W. Bush. Donald Trump, you're saying that it's never an elite level transformation. So, so Supreme Court, court justices who want to be uh, at the finest cocktail parties are going to drift left. Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't think that's well. There's true. that. That's, that's a good point. But I just they haven't captured the media and the the mechanisms of public approbation and reinforcement. They haven't captured Hollywood, the media. So if you want, if you're if you want public approbation. Uh, you ain't gonna get it if you go to the right, and you are gonna get it if you go to the left. The strange new respect phenomenon. So, uh, hmm. uh, I think th- there's that, that mechanism is mainly what I'm thinking of, and the, the, there are these waves of drifting, of right-wing counter-reaction, and they sort of crash against the rocks, and occasionally they leave something up on the shore like welfare reform. But, 
only or you know or, or massive tax cuts, but but then they fall back into the ocean. Seems to be the way things are going. Okay. Uh, anyway, um, let's talk about this cocktail party. You've been resisting it after being initially enthusiastic. The Halloween party. Because I've been to Tom Toll's Halloween party. Well, you know, I've been invited. Do you remember? So Tom Toll's is a cartoonist for the Washington Post, Pulitzer Prize winner. He is at the heart of this story. Do you remember when he did that caricature of us? It was arranged. No. I think it was our fifth anniversary, and it was arranged uh, or it was something. This was like 10 years ago. It huh. was it was arranged by uh, the, the wonderful uh, staffers that were working uh, for me at the time. And, uh, probably by saying, uh, I would guess, um, but, well, that was nice, but, it, but, it, but it, anyway, so uh, actually I, I thought that the caricature was a little more flattering to you than to me, but I digress. So Tom Tolls, uh, I got invited a couple of times, but I lived several hours from DC. So it never went, you've been to this, it's like an institution. It's a Halloween party at his house and it's very much a Washington Post thing, right? It's not officially a Washington Post party, but a lot of people from the Post show up. It's 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 not even that formal. It's not even that big. It's a it's a small Halloween party of which they're like there are a million of them across America, and uh, it's a good party. People get drunk and they dance and wear okay. costumes and have fun. So this uh, is and, this and, and, and you know, and a lot of them work for the post, until, but a lot of them don't. A lot of them don't. And, a woman shows up in blackface. So this is what happened two years ago, which occasioned this story that just showed up in the Washington Post. And I maintain that this story would not have been written but for George Floyd. And I would maintain this is is one of the unfortunate consequences because I maintain this story should not have been published. So here's the deal. A woman – this was – remember when Megyn Kelly got in trouble for what she said about blackface a couple years ago? She she defended it, yeah. Well, actually, that was the way it played. What she said was, wow, things change fast. When I was a kid – uh, people did blackface and people took that to be defending it. Anyway, yes, everyone said, you've defended blackface, you're in trouble. This Halloween <laughs> party happened um, after that. And there was a woman, this was one of the party's non-elite guests, which I think matters. There are a lot of people there who are like journalists and so on. This is somebody who I guess just knew Tom Tolls. She decides that it would be clever to mock Megyn Kelly, defender of blackface, by herself going in blackface with a tag that says, I'm Megyn Kelly or something like that. Now, in retrospect, or even in prospect, even if I had been advising her that night before she went to the party, I might have said, you know, seems a little risky. But the point is, she thought she was mocking someone for defending blackface. Do we agree on that? Correct. So she goes to the party. We now know all this because it, the party was covered two years later in the Washington Post. Um, she goes to the party and uh, there's – first of all, these two kind of young women who have resurfaced. One I think is Latinx, as we say, Mickey. You might have said Latina or Latina or something. I'm here to tell you, no. Latinx and uh, the other one is African-American and – uh, they were in their 20s, and they were offended when they saw her, I guess, and they walked up to her and said, what's the deal? And it sounds like she said something like, well, I'm Megyn Kelly, kind of trying to explain yeah. the joke or live the joke or something. Yeah. And they were offended. Um, I think they used the word 
harassed, although it's very hard to imagine that this guest did anything that would have been considered harassment, say, when you and I were young 70 years ago. You know what I mean? I mean, anyway, I think in the story, uh, as a matter of record, these women, these these women in their 20s did say they were harassed, but the only actual encounter recounted was this woman saying, well, I'm Megyn Kelly or something like that. Okay? Now... yeah, go ahead. And the other thing, the other thing is, the other thing that the story sort of, I, I would think will kill the story is, one of the hosts of the party came and said, "You should wash off your face or leave," and she left. So what? Right, the what's woman the story? apparently left in shame. Apparently, there were, I think, yeah. two other people, apparently including Tom Tolls, if I recall correctly, who said, "You know, this isn't that cool." So the woman leaves, no doubt, feeling defeated, deflated, punished, shamed. Right. If she's a normal human being. Right. That was not enough for these two women in their 20s. They wanted two years later, they decided justice needed to be more fully done. So I guess they one of them emailed Tom Tolls uh, recently. Is that, is that your understanding? And, and I don't know. They managed to cut, get the Washington Post to do a story on it. Somehow. Yeah. Well, I think they emailed Tom Tolls. And I think this is I think this is a recent email, not a first uh, two years ago exchange we're talking about. But But I could be wrong. But anyway. He apparently told a falsehood in reply, which is, this was not a woman I know. Now, I assume he was trying to protect her and, and just thought she doesn't need her identity revealed. She suffered well, enough. What? Didn't she get fired from her job? Of course she should well, protect her. Well, that's after the Washington Post story. Mickey. But it tells us smart enough to realize that that's going to happen. So he wants to protect her. No, no. In the first instance, when he says, when he replies and says, I'm sorry, you were offended or whatever. This is not a woman I know. I assume he's thinking if her identity is never revealed, she will not suffer. But I don't know. For, yeah, for right. whatever reason. That's, we're saying the same thing. According to the Washington Post, he said something untrue. And so they wrote a big story about this whole thing. And 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 it, it got a ton of blowback. I mean, I, I looked through the comments. There were like 1.5 thousand comments on the piece. <laughs> I have never seen a piece so universally condemned. I mean, many people pointed out, this woman is like a nobody. Why are you doing this to her? Because, because as you said, when the piece came out, she was fired. She's now apparently without her job. And, but even if they couldn't have foreseen that consequence, it's like, why dredge this up? I imagine their excuse would be, well, once it was revealed that our staffer, Tom Tolls, our cartoonist had told a lie, it might maybe they thought it might have come out somewhere else, and and they were better off doing it themselves. Um, but well, it anyway. would have come out. I mean, these these girls were obviously intent on on fine. But you know, if it comes out, what I think they should have done is just um, make a statement, wait for it to come out, and then say the post should just make a statement. Here's the deal: we've talked to Tom Tolls. Blah blah blah. I mean, here's my question: Is this in some ways analogous? to what we talked about last week at the New York Times. I mean, because surely the editor of the of the Washington Post, you know, one of the two uh, authors of the Post piece was Mark Fisher, whom I knew in college. Right. I haven't talked to him in a long time, but but he's like a big gun there. I think he was he was brought in on the piece probably because it's like a delicate piece, but the word from the top is we're going to do this. I can't believe he, he, he just caught wind of it and thought, hey, can I write this piece? Um, and so... I think this was the editor of the Washington Post decision, and there's a kind of analogy here, right? I mean, I mean, just as Salzberger kind of caved 
uh, to a certain kind of what I guess some people would call political correctness, although I'm not in the habit of using that term derisively. That's, I guess, maybe the right label. Um, you could say in this case, the editor, not the publisher, but the editor of the Washington Post did the same. Is that, is that, is that a reasonable analogy? It, it, I think it works sort of, but it's a, the New York Times case is much more serious. And, and this is, uh, uh, there was no, you know, this, this guy's caving in anticipation of maybe a woke reaction. Uh, and that's, of course, the trouble. The trouble is in the New York Times, there actually was a woke reaction. There was a lot of conversations on Slack. There were petitions. There were demands. There were letters. Uh, this, there was none of that. There were just these two women. And this guy is sort of, Maybe the editor was fantasizing what might happen in the future. That's the terrified mode that people are in now. Uh, but the, you know, the, the, the style section has always been in favor of pieces that start conversations and was this a style section piece? I think it was. Well, it was in the physical paper, apparently. Well, the style um, section is in the physical paper. I thought it was a style piece. No, maybe oh, I I'm know. Wrong. I know. Style section is in the physical paper. Um, anyway, there's style section pieces that run on the front page too. It's a, it's, it, it would Ben Bradley say, "Hey, this was a great story." That's sort of the test, and probably not. He would. Oh, in he those days, no way. In those days, no way. I mean, again, it's only in the current political atmosphere that an editor thinks, "Oh God, I better head this one off before they discover that you know at a at a, at a post." Well, it's, inter- it's an interesting enough situation for us to talk about it. So you know, well, yeah, because would Ben was- Bradley say he might say, "Hey, this, this is interesting. There are these two woke." women and they're all upset about something that happened two years ago and this is crazy madness and people are talking about it so let's write about it i mean no no what we're talking about what we're talking about is that they wrote about it it's the story that makes it a story i mean it's it's a story that turned it into a big cause and it it got that's right it got a lot of uh a fair amount of denunciation. Anyway, I the, mean, the, the, you, the you know who Times, had a great tweet that I wish I could recall that was clearly a reference to this was Elizabeth Brunig of uh, the New Republic, who I think the New Republic's still right, but um, I don't think so. It, no, uh, wherever she is, it's somewhere on the left. Uh, God bless her. But it was something about you know, and she's like religious, and it was something about oh, one of the lines in this piece was like one of the women, and one of these two women is, I think, a Washington Post reporter, right? She's a science reporter or something, and then one of them is, isn't that the Post, I think? Anyway, one of the women said, oh, it's past time for forgiveness or something, like she, um, and, and, and Elizabeth Brunig just said something, not an explicit reference to this piece, but it was something like, oh, I, I'll, I won't do it justice, but it was something like, you know, in a world where, Oh, where atonement is constantly, a world where atonement is constantly demanded and forgiveness is never given is just like an unstable world. That was the idea. That right. was the idea. And that, and that I think, uh, I mean, I don't want to go tweet. on and on was- about this, but I almost don't see how you could hear about what happened to that woman at that party and not just kind of feel sorry for her. She thought she was being clever and liberal. She screwed up. I mean, do we have to like fire her? Jeez. Um, there, but for the grace of God. Well, no, I don't. I would not have. I would, I, I err on the side of caution uh, by not going to Halloween parties. You've never gotten less. into trouble. Well, I, no, no, I am. I just am risk averse. 
Well, less and less, I guess people might point out who've been listening to this podcast, um, but I used to be risk averse. Um, okay. Well, I, I agree with you. And I thought that Brunig tweet was very appropriate and good. She, she in general is a very positive public presence. We, we applaud her. Um, so wait, uh, so. So you've gone on and on about Supreme Court. I've gone on and on about a Halloween party. I guess you win the Gravitas Award. What else is there to talk about? A lot, um, a lot happened. Wait, what about that John Bolton, that crazy John Bolton? Oh, oh um, one, one little thing is worth saying on the John Bolton book. The, go ahead. Max Blumenthal gets the, the trolling Trump award. You know what he did? No. So first of all, of course, Bolton. And tell me if I should write about this for the newsletter, which, by the way, is called the Non-Zero Newsletter, which you can subscribe to at nonzero.org. Um, like, so Bolton comes out with this damning account of the Trump presidency and in the process manages to kind of get all kinds of resistancy people to basically parrot his kind of Cold War rhetoric toward China. Right. In various ways. So it advances the Cold War narrative, uh, and, and, you know, and, and to Max, and I think this is a fair analogy, it's, it's kind of analogous to the way all of the Russiagate stuff got a bunch of resistance people to get all up in arms about the, the threat to America posed by Vladimir Putin, partly by virtue of their animus toward Trump, right? There's an analogy here, kind of. And Although mo- most of the most of the damning anecdotes, and I admit I I just read the summaries of these are the 10 most damning anecdotes in Bolton, they don't reflect Trump not being tough enough on China. I guess the Uyghur concentration camp thing does, but they mainly just show Trump See, that's being, a good example, is being, everyone's using the word concentration camp the way Bolton did, which I think is technically accurate, but... Since almost all of us, when we hear concentration camp, think of Auschwitz, it's not accurate. But anyway, th- that's, a, that's an example. The, that's an they're example. not killing them. They're only brainwashing them and hooking their testicles up to electrodes. Now, see, that good example. is. Do you have any documentation <laughs> of that second part? No, they are but, brainwashing them. They are brainwashing them. Yes. I mean, they're whatever they're calling it. Yes. But, um, so but anyway, the, I digress. The, I got to tell you, the, no, the Max Blumenthal thing. So – so he tweets this, that Bolton is getting these fools to buy the Cold War narrative, and Trump retweets him, okay? So <laughs> so Max's tweet is like cycling through these billions of Trump follower feeds. And so what Max does is he starts changing his ha- the, na- the name he gives himself, which you can do at any point, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it says Max Blumenthal, but he can change that as it is cycling through the Trumposphere. And so right. he changes it to things like, so like at one point, all of these Trump fans who would see this tweet retweeted by Trump, the first thing they'd see was, Free Palestine, Fire Jared. That was his name for a while. <laughs> and he just went through a series of these names. <laughs> well, that, he, he does get an award for realizing you could do that. That is kind of good. Yes. Um, yes. the, um, a lot, some of Bolton's things were complete, uh, you know, he, he, Trump, um, he, he claims that Trump tried to use the Chinese premier Xi to, uh, is that I pronounce it? Xi? Xi. Xi to, uh, help his political career because he, he told Xi, if you buy all this soybeans from farmers, uh, it'll help me get elected, okay? 
Well, but America wants G to buy soybeans from farmers, so he's right. u- he's obviously just using this as a way to get she to do something that's good for America. Why is that a scandal? Right. If he sells, if he sells she on this by pretending you love me, I'm you know, so you can help me get reelected if you do this good thing for America. You know, any by hook or by crook, if, if that, that's well, that's, that's even, good even that he's if you doing put, that. Even if you put it the way it was put, he tried to do a trade deal that he thought would help him in the election. Oh, imagine right. a president doing that. I mean, the way he did it was by doing a trade deal that he thought would appeal to a particular constituency. That's the way trade deals are done, right? I mean, it it, it uh, and now and too often the the constituency has been like about you know seven seven billionaires who contribute to your campaign, right. uh, which I would say is is probably worse. No, I, right. I thought I it was it was it was. Um, I mean, part of it is just that we know Trump so well now that none of the supposedly damning stuff was surprising. Now, one thing they did say, I mean, supposedly Trump recommended that he build more concentration camps as uh Bolton puts it uh or something like that 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 seems uh going well, I thought little... he said I, that he was doing the right thing that could just be general sucking up about things he feels he has no control over but it, yeah. it could be Trump's affinity for authoritarian tactics who knows but you're right there wasn't that now that I think about it there wasn't there is a level of Trump craziness okay that has that you hear alluded to by people that hasn't come out okay like uh, oh, I hear in the White House things are really crazy, you know, not, nothing like what you've heard. It's worse, okay? And this, these revelations don't go to that level, you know? Uh, and so maybe one day a book will come out. Bob Woodward has a book coming out that gets to that level and completely grosses us out about Trump so that even I can't support him. But, uh, but the bold thing is, do, do, is it horrifying that Trump didn't know that Britain had nuclear weapons. It's slightly horrifying. Does it's not it affect, shocking, given that we It's not shocking. Trump. Did it affect anything that he actually did, since Britain isn't about to use its nuclear weapons? Uh, probably not. So, uh, uh, that, um, you know, that, that, um, now that, now that you mention it, uh, it, it, that could explain why the Bolton book, uh, might be flopping. It's in addition to everybody. Well, it's not. Bolton. It's not for sale yet. We can't say it's flopping. Right. Well, every, and, but every, and by the way, its editor is the editor of my last book. So take it easy. But all the all the juicy stuff is now public. I mean, people have read it. Well, we guess so this the, is the juiciest. There may be yeah. more stuff of the of the kind you're wanting, though. Where um, you know, it's like, oh, this is a super crazy thing to say in a meeting. But what I suspect is that precisely because Bolton is so ideological. That although he's a copious note taker, he just wrote down the stuff that drove him crazy on ideological grounds. You know, you think, it, and Trumps would say, you know, I we're really controlled by aliens from the planet Venus, right. and they and, have control and of your would thoughts. Think that has no implications. And so for Bolton policy. Wouldn't, wouldn't write that down. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's not scandalous. Okay. Right. Uh, and it does help Trump that all these the people who are attacking him, including Mattis, uh, they they are. Com- committed to some degree or another to the policy of uh, endless meddling in the Middle East and elsewhere. Uh, and uh, so that that helps him. It doesn't completely eliminate the charge. But, uh, and, you know, the, what, the problem is Bolton is so obviously crazy. Why, why did Trump hire him in the first place? It's so dabbing that well, he Trump, hired the guy. Uh, what Trump says is, which I don't think is true, I, I think Bolton had been, had been, you know, kind of 
uh, angling for the job uh, with the things he was saying in writing. But what Trump says is it was helpful to have a crazy warmonger uh, because then people worried I might do something crazy and other foreign leaders would cave. That's what Trump says. That's probably true. He wasn't another misguided Jared project, was he? Not that I know we of. Learned, we learned that uh, in the stories covering the Bolton book that the idea of replacing Pence with Nikki Haley, which has been brooded about, uh, you know, by knowledgeable reporters, not me, for months and months and months, is a Jared Kushner idea. Joining the long list of bad Jared Kushner ideas, starting with, hey, Trump, fire Comey, the Democrats won't care, to, hey, Dr- hey Trump, you know, back uh this losing candidate for Senate in Alabama. Uh, that'll be a brilliant move. Instead, they got Roy Moore, uh, who lost. Uh, and, and the, another idea is, hey, hey, Trump back coach Tommy Tuberville, Tuberville in Alabama over just sessions. I mean, that was, that's partly Trump's idea, but Jared um, is reinforcing it. Didn't the, on the Roy Moore thing, wasn't Steve Bannon also on that bandwagon or am I confused? Who uh, Bannon he, was for Roy Moore. Oh, he wasn't, okay. he wasn't for, uh, um, the, so, the, the candidate that Trump so This, this leads to the question of, of who Biden will pick. Now, do you think it now basically has to be a, a black? Uh, I mean, he's already said it'll be a woman. He's boxed himself in because yeah. he's already said it's a woman. And then and now Klobuchar, Klobuchar in withdrawing from contention. Well, I think she saw uh, the handwriting on the wall. Oh, yeah. But she didn't have to say, I think it should be a woman of color. So now in if Trump if Biden doesn't pick a woman of color, i.e. if he picks Elizabeth Warren, he looks a little worse than he did before. I, I, I don't think, think Klobuchar no, did no any way favors. Picks, I think there's no way he picks Warren. Why? Two, two white people over seventy. I just Warren, does, Warren doesn't look over seventy. No, and she's a great I think she's great, but but uh I almost think he's completely boxed in um on on ethnicity. Now, Bill Scher, that's on the uh, of the uh, highly regarded DMZ podcast, tweeted uh, that it, it looks like it, and and he's good about this stuff. He he's he he's pretty smart about this. He, he leaves some some uh, at least one white woman on the table, I guess. So he says, so this looks like Harris, Kamala Harris, Demings, the uh, former police chief now of Orlando, now Congresswoman uh, Rice, meaning Susan Rice. Which is at least better than Condoleezza, uh, Duckworth, Tammy Duckworth, or uh, Luhan Grisham, whom I didn't know much about, but looks. I mean, she's she's a governor. That's I. I do think with Biden, you need someone who can plausibly become president, right? With with, with him as the the front runner, I, well, I mean sure. the, the the head of the ticket. Um. So, what do you think of those people? Do you think it is down to them? See, I, I think Biden is less boxed in than people think. I mean, there were, people were saying, oh, he's been boxed in by the defund the police movement. He can't, he can't diss the defund the police movement. And then the next day he, he said, I'm not for defunding the police. Right. So he's Biden. They can't, they, he's all they got. They, they can't kill him. So, so you he think, has some, he has some leverage. So if you he, think he, it could be a white candidate or, or, I think it could be a white candidate. I think, uh, I, th- I think there'd be some, moaning and and criticism for that but uh i i think he has more freedom than people think very stupid of him who, to get boxed in though why does who he have would to do you that? choose who's the best candidate of the ones i listed of the ones you listed go through them again harris I, demings I, susan rice 
Duckworth, Luhan Grisham. God, they all seem horrible. The one I know least about is Duckworth, so we'll go with Duckworth. But she's the white one. So you really don't um, think he's boxed in on ethnicity. Um, now, now, Luhan Grisham No, you is, just asked me which one I think is. Uh, the, the others all seem horrible. Uh, the Demings, I don't know about. I don't know about Demings. I, I don't think she's great. I think I think Kamala Harris is not bad. Oh, I uh, think she's... I'd rather, candidate, I'd rather have Demings... Candidate. I'd rather have Demings a pig in the poke than a proven... Uh, me, I always thought I, I always thought Harris said had nothing to say. She I think these t- days, Mickey, you have to explain that pig in pig in the poke is just this metaphor thing for something you don't know about. Yes, right. but uh, I would take somebody who I knew nothing about over Harris because Harris. The, first, it's proven that the voters didn't like her. Now it's true that she's gone through. I I think uh, I think she's improved her her public presentation, but you know she wasn't. She didn't like light the the. Light the campaign trail on fire. And the second thing is, uh, she turned out to be much too woke. She wasn't a cipher. She was, uh, she was way too woke. So I'll take. Well, what you mean the way she played the race card on Biden? The play of the race card on Biden. She hired a very woke staff. They pushed her into taking woke positions that pleased Twitter, but did not please the electorate. Just all around bad judgment. I know nothing about Duckworth. Are you saying Luhan Grisham is no great shakes? She looks good on paper. I, I suspect she's pro-amnesty. Oh, gosh. So I don't know. Words, Biden, Biden is Mickey, making all these... Mickey, how many Democratic candidates aren't going to be pro-amnesty? Well, right, but um, uh, that's a very good point. But there are some, like Sherrod Brown, who uh, might... Don't. Or Bernie or Bernie Sanders that at least have some qualms about putting unskilled Black Americans out of work. Don't, so yeah, this is this is upsetting me because I would the, um, I would much rather see either Bernie or Sherrod Brown at the top of this. Ticket. Well, there you go. But, yeah, but uh, the I mean, but you know, everybody says, "Why are you making such a fuss about immigration?" Well, Biden. I was reading a Biden an article about Biden's big ideas, and okay, he's going to perform a big infrastructure program, and he's going to big new big health care program, and you know. And this is all going to be in the first hundred days, okay? Well, all those things are pie in the sky. They're hard to they're hard to uh, gin up. Congress can't do more than one thing at, at a time these days. Uh, so no, it's the, the first hundred days is not going to be about that. It's going to be about immigration, okay? And uh, so that's one reason to focus is on it? immigration. Is well, it's possible. I mean, why it's, wouldn't it be about health care? What's the because it's an urgent is a, need. He's not going to propose. He's going to propose modest improvements on Obamacare to to it's really not such a big deal to, and it, to add know, a robust public option to Obamacare and and say lower the threshold for Medicare and maybe tinker elsewhere would amount to a fair amount. I mean, depends on what yeah, the no, public if that's option the, if is. That's the, if that's the package, it's all, in the, it's all in the details. A robust public agree, option that doesn't cost people much is the next best thing to a uh, single payer. These things get, my my thinking was the issues like that get tend to get pushed off beyond the 100 days because the bills are not written yet and they have to go through. Whereas in immigration, you just dust off the Gang of Aid Act and reintroduce it and uh and it's already done. They've already written it. Mm. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's something that you could do easily in the first hundred days. And, and we know from precedents, we know from precedent 
that it is in fact true that the first part of a president's term is the time to get stuff done. It's very hard to get stuff done later, although it's been done. So should we move to the things Bob was right about part of the program? And I have a mild clarification, which will bore the hell out of people, but go ahead. Well, just quickly, I said to you, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago that the shooting of the Oakland security guard had all of the earmarks of a right-wing extremist hit. And now this guy, um, Stephen Carrillo, an adherent of the radical French Boogaloo movement. Does that ring a bell, Mickey? You want to get out your Boogaloo shirt? Do you know this guy? I have it right here, but I'm not going to. Has been it. arrested for the shooting of the Oakland security guard. And then also, I guess it was a right wing guy, maybe a Boogaloo guy who shot somebody, but not fatally when uh, some people in Albuquerque were tearing down a statue of a conquistador that I think none of us had ever heard of before this. Um, Albuquerque is very complicated because they're Indians versus the conquistadors, so there's a split on the left, hmm. and it's not like they have white slave owners, they have Spanish conquistadors, and so it's a complicated situation. Uh, but uh, you were right about the Oakland security guard, yes. Yes. And uh, I'm now much more terrified of the Boogaloo movement than I was. Yeah, no, it's for real. I mean, uh, oh. it, 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 and unlike, uh, unlike, apparently, unlike Antifa, they use bullets uh, in Boogaloo. Um, oh, what else? Okay, so what are you going to clarify? Oh, I'm, I'm sort of one of the things that annoys me about the, the diminishing number of things that annoy me about being on blogging heads is that. Um, uh, you tend to, you, you tend to give provocative anti-Mickey headlines to the little segments. So, like, you know, like your this, membership in Boogaloo, did that bother you? No, about the, your no, Boogaloo but like, shirt? the way they, the way they, the way they, the New York Times gave Tom Cotton a headline, you know, Tom Cotton wants the military to come in and crush the set or something. Oh, you mean like <laughs> the topic uh, titles that appear in print? Yes. You know who to blame like, for that. You know who to blame for that. Are you? Totally. Okay. Well, but, um, I'm not. I'm, we should I'm, have the Washington Post write a piece about the him. The fish rots from the top, Bob, and I'm not going to dump on your. It's true that he runs those by me, but I generally um, defer to his superior judgment. And anyway, he, he had one that was sort of mildly annoying about Mickey has second thoughts about welfare reform. No, Mickey doesn't. I didn't have second thoughts about welfare reform. Uh, I think welfare reform was a good thing. I think it, it just didn't have the. Huge transformative effect that I had. It had like fifty percent of the effect. I have bad uh, and news it, for you. Figure out figuring out why. What's the bad news? Ra is not going to be processing this particular thing, so he will not hear this chastisement. Well, that doesn't bother me. But um, the uh, I, I can clarify what it's not like. It's not like I had some new realization about what the problem was with welfare reform. My original idea was the the GDP of the underclass comes from welfare. I mean, if you look at how do people who are in this so-called underclass, and you can debate whether it actually existed, but I think it does, uh, where do they get their money? They get it from welfare. So if you condition welfare on work, it's going to have a transformative effect because where else are they going to get their money? The answer, and then I gave a talk to uh, some welfare officials in New York, uh, and I learned a lot more than they from them than they learned from me. And they said, which is what is also the lesson of Jason DePaul's great book on welfare reform, which is 
There's a whole lot going on in the underclass that doesn't have to do with welfare. And he, he, his, his central, his central figure is this very appealing woman, but you know, she has boyfriends giving her money and she has like little side hustles and other things going on and she has a gun and there's some, it, it culminates in some mad scene with the boyfriend and the gun. And like, uh, and welfare is really only like a small part of the things that are affecting her life. And it does affect her life because when, they reform welfare. She gets a job as a healthcare worker, and it turns out she's quite a good healthcare worker. And she finds out that it's fulfilling. So there's sort of a happy ending. Uh, but um, there's a whole lot going on in the underclass aside from welfare, and that's what these welfare workers told me too. Uh, so I assume they're right. But what I don't un- so that's why welfare reform wouldn't have a transformative effect. It would have a mildly positive effect in encouraging people to go into the workforce, which was good. But uh, what I don't understand, and maybe people out there do know more about than I do, is, is where there is obviously some secret source of income for people who are allegedly in dire poverty and relying on welfare. Because uh, you look, you know, you, you look at the statistics of, of people who are, in this concept of extreme poverty, which is less than half the poverty line. Okay. And they're, they, you know, they, there are a lot of them and maybe they, they, they went up, uh, during er- eras of recession, but they're not on the streets. You don't see women and children on the streets. You see men and single women on the streets. Okay. Um, so how do they survive? They move into their sister's house. They have other sources of income. There, there, there's some other sorts of income. Uh, you know, you know, some people say they can live on food stamps alone, which food stamps aren't that big. It seems a little hard to believe. There's some mystery there that even DePaul's book doesn't solve. What's the secret source of, uh, GDP of income that would enable people to live a life where they don't work all the time, even though they're poor? That's what I don't quite understand. I don't think it's all drugs. I don't think there's that much drug money. So I don't know what it is. It may be relatives, extended family, or something, but... You should make that your next big research project. Well, somebody should. Uh, should do a Kickstarter. But the, the left doesn't want to tackle it because the left wants to make it seem like everybody who do, who's kicked off of welfare is in abject poverty is going to be on living on subway grates. And that doesn't seem to happen. The issue is, why does that not happen? Uh so this is but all about why didn't welfare reform uh, lead to more in the way of uh, gainful employment? You don't give it the headline, Mickey's rethinking welfare reform. That implies that Mickey thought it was wrong to support welfare reform. It's why didn't Well, but he did, reform... he did overestimate its effects, did he not? Yes. Well, he had... Uh, that he sounds remarkably for, like rethinking to me. He hoped... It, it doesn't. I don't think it was a bad idea. I think if I could press a button and do it again, I would press the button and do it again. And it had a positive effect. The question is, yeah. I may have had uh, excessively, o- excessively optimistic hopes. Sort of the same way so- people thought, hey, you know, with Obama as president dressing in suits, uh, you know, all of a sudden, all the, all, you know, poor people in, in the, uh, in, in poorer areas of town are going to all of a sudden, like, start hiking up their pants and dressing in suits. And there were people like, uh, Stanley Crouch and other people who, thought this might happen and I was hoping it would happen but it didn't happen so so doesn't mean that, it was wrong to so it doesn't mean it was wrong to elect it's Obama. in that sense that you have rethought welfare reform so thank you for clarifying that um 
I thought uh, that was okay. Never mind. So, a... uh, what should we talk? So, first of all, Mickey, it's better, it's are better you than sure? you talking about. It's better than you talking about the statistical margin of error. My God. Uh, that reminds me, I have nothing to say about that this week. But I do think this drug is significant. I mean, I think, you know, look, this is a big, I mean, I think we're entering a a, a big moment of uh, kind of revelation. Because the case low, the cases, case rate is clearly increasing sharply in several states, including some big ones, right? Like, what is it, Texas and Florida? Um, Even Alex Berenson, the contrarian anti-panic guy said he he was surprised by the hospitalization rate mm-hmm. in in those three states Texas Arizona and Florida but the, uh, the and it, there is a there is a contrarian defense of oh it's not so bad because the hospitals started letting in all the elective surgeries mm-hmm. that uh, were previously delayed so of course the hospital rate's going to go up and then they test those elective surgeries oh, wait, for but COVID. the hospitalization rate is only about covid patients right the second part of it is that then the people who are let in for knee surgery are tested for COVID and some of them test positive, but they're asymptomatic and they're counted as more COVID, uh, more COVID patients in, in the hospitals. And it, it, the LA Times gives, gives both figures for California. Well, and the, the, it's flat for both. The other California. thing is the pro lockdown people are, are really tirelessly promoting these graphs showing the caseload, uh, the case rate growing sharply in some states. Uh, growing a little nationally, or at least certainly not falling, but so far the death rate continues to fall at a at a reasonably you know brisk rate, and so we'll see. I mean, there as I said, there not has that risk. Well, no, you look at death rate, man. It's down to uh, an average of around I think uh, six hundred a day. At one point, it was two thousand. I mean, it's right. the, so the it's slope down from continues to eight hundred. The, the point is, you have had this. Uh, at least somewhat growing gap between the case per day curve, confirmed case per day curve and the death rate curve. And the question is, will that continue to grow? Um, you know, right. a couple of possible sources. One is just that, as you suggested, we know about more of the cases. So it's kind of the gap between the two curves is in that sense, illusory. It's not that the ratio of actual cases in the population to deaths is growing. Um, but then the other possibility is we're getting better at keeping uh, infection from turning into death. And I think there's some truth to that. And, and I think this drug that they uh, – this steroid is going to uh, permit at least a couple of more weeks of, of, of kind of um, of this trend because apparently this is a drug that's already on hand in hospitals everywhere. It's very available. I, I, I assume they're using it right now. So I think it will be a while – uh, before that effect is played out and we see whether there's uh, really something to worry about, but there could be. Um, so Mickey, but, you, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I, you know, as a, as a worry ward, there are some, there was one state where the actual R zero R naught rate was going up. Uh, I, I think there's been a number. Uh, uh, I mean, and, I, the, and there are states where the infection rate, you go out and test people and you have a, you are five percent positive. In some states, it was up to seven. It would have risen from yeah. risen to seven. So the, the, the people are right to be worried. So uh, uh, we but, will see. But, so, so you're. Um, oh, I, by the way, yeah. I thought I thought Fauci's admission that basically that he lied about masks not helping uh, yeah, that, was, that's was, was very damaging. 
I didn't see exactly what he, he said. He didn't quite admit to lying. He said, well, you know, we wanted to... He didn't lie as much as the Attorney General, the Surgeon General. The Surgeon General said, masks don't work. Don't buy masks. Um, we, and Fauci didn't go that far. He just said, we're not recommending masks now. But it was stupid because people can make more masks and you can use a T-shirt as a mask. I mean, it's like... No, I agree. Uh, it, and why did Fauci blow his credibility like that? I don't understand. Uh, that was... I'm telling you, look, the guy is... He's a survivor, and as a result, he's what seventy nine years old, uh, and still, you know, in his position. I mean, there comes a time when, which leads me to us, Mickey. We're not yet at that time. Um, however, I, do, do I correctly understand that you just don't want to do this joint Patreon thing? No, I wanted to give. Uh, if somebody would explain to me what it involves, I. I Give it a try. It's it's some ongoing thing. They don't. It's not just a one-time infusion of cash. Well, it depends on what you define as what you're doing in exchange for uh, the support. Um, you know, I mean, what we could do is you continue to resist the idea of Patreon, which leaves me no choice but to say, well, then, if you want to support this show and the various other shows on Blogging Heads TV and or Meaning of Life TV, your only choice is to Google Patreon and Non-Zero Foundation and go to the Non-Zero Foundation Patreon thing. Give us your money. None of it will go to Mickey. That's one option, which I've just done, and I encourage people to do that. But, yeah, the other, the alternative is we create a thing just for this show. But, but, yeah, you are kind of committing to a show. On the other hand, if you bail out of the show, people can just cancel their monthly thing. So it's not like... You know, it's not like a lifetime commitment. But we secretly hope they don't remember to cancel their monthly. We secretly hope that. Now, the other, I, I, there's another option, but go ahead. There was a while ago when, when, um, people were saying, people were saying, well, AOL survives on, um, you know, people who forgot to cancel their AOL dial up contract. Totally. Uh, and, and, and it was like five years after. Or don't want to change their email address or don't want to change their email address. And, um, and I, uh, and I thought I laughed at those people and then I looked and I was still paying dial up to AOL. By the way, many people listening to this don't even know what AOL is. America Online, do they know what dial up is? That's a good question. They probably don't know the familiar sound of the modem that you heard back in, uh, Dial-up days. Well, a serious point, Mickey. Kind of serious. I was thinking about this, like, after the New York Times thing, and then after the Halloween party thing, and I thought, well, now I'm going to criticize the Washington Post. Uh, is that a great career move if you might want to be doing op-eds for them and whatever? And I do, there, and I do were, think, I, yeah. I trashed uh, the new op-ed editor of the New York Times, and I thought, Right. Wait, don't I? Don't at some point don't which I want to try which to get I wisely, which I wisely did not do. But I would say That's more and more, you, I'm thinking. You, you why know, you live the, in the palatial home with bookshelves? As I do, more and more, I'm thinking the only option is to have your own platform. This is why I keep bringing this up. So I've got this newsletter. You've got a newsletter. Uh, I have got this blogging heads meaning like TV thing. Uh, but I think I have to get serious about, uh, asking people to support these things. And I think you do you know, too. I know, but I, I, I don't seem to have the energy to crank out the newsletter as often enough and crank out the sort of crap well, that you have to do. To, I'm not to exactly. Keep interested. 
So I'm not ideally, exactly the, the Anthony Trollope of newsletters. Ideally, you want somebody who's actually a good businessman to start a platform using Substack that has a bunch of people writing for it, and it, yeah. it, it generates enough money that those people can support themselves. It's called, i.e., recreating a magazine of opinion, which Substack is completely amenable to. I mean, that, I think that's their goal is to recreate the magazine of opinion from the ground up. In but, principle, uh, but... The, some, the, somebody has yeah. to do that, and... and uh, I, I don't think I don't think all of the infrastructure is there in a way that makes it easy to do what you're talking about. Now, they did give uh, a kind of support to the Jonah Goldberg initiative, the dis, the dispatch, but that came with a lot of money attached. Those guys have big time financial. Bags. But it helps if you have a money bags behind you. Yeah, of course. But, but, you, I, but, 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 but Mickey, I never will. My ideology does not get that. They're Neocons constantly changing. I don't. They're 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 constantly. Uh, what about China? That was one of the embarrassing things was the, the, the list of people that uh, – Wait, you mean list. take money from the country of China? I don't take money from countries. I'm joking. But oh. if you want the big money for defending China, it comes from China. Yes. I'll take that under advisement. I'm sure there's a cutout. I'm sure you could get it from the no, but there's a bigger U.S. Problem China here. Foundation or if there is such a thing or something. There's a bigger problem going beyond the fact that um, – uh, in the case of foreign policy, neocons get much more financial backing than people like me who try to discourage military engagement. Um, it, which is that if, if, if you're kind of anti-tribal, you know, like if, if you're not willing to play the standard Twitter game of riling up a particular existing tribe, it's just hard to, it's just hard to build a big and enthusiastic following. Well, this is, um, John Ellis, uh, a, a friend of mine who I respect a lot has a Substack uh, newsletter where he talked about, uh, and he used to work at Fox. He talked about, uh, you know, the, Fox makes two billion dollars a year, uh, and there are all these people who want to uh, get a piece of that by starting an alternative right wing network. And you know, why do why do networks like that have a hundred percent conservative content or a hundred percent liberal content all the time? It's because they're terrified that if you're a, an executive there, you're terrified that people will click off halfway through the show. So unless the show provides constant positive reinforcement for your worldview, i.e. if you have a critic, if you have uh, like Max Blumenthal on Fox, who's going to sneak in some left wing stuff and people are going to say, I don't like this guy. I'm going to turn on a rerun of I Love Lucy. Uh, uh, you, you lose viewers and you're terrified of that. So you'll have... A, 100% right-wing content, 100% left-wing right. content, no content for Bob. Right. Uh, so um, it was a very clear exposition of the dynamic, of the, the strictness of the dynamic uh, mm -hmm. that, that means even without the money bags, you're not going to make any money by being no, in the center, center of the road. And let me and, let me, uh, let me quickly clarify something. Jonah Goldberg is not a neo, is not exactly neocon. That's not what I meant. But but he is collaborating with Stephen Hayes. Who is a neocon uh, from Weekly Standard uh, days and some other prominent person, and that's what leads me to suspect that there's kind of standard uh, neocon money behind it. Anyway, it's obviously real money. Does that mean? Does that it. mean Paul Singer? Paul Singer is usually the guy behind I all those Paul projects. I thought Paul Singer bailed bailed on those guys, and that's why the Weekly. St uh, I get confused. I think he moved his money to the Examiner, didn't he? Isn't he no, the guy? They who's sold. They sold the Weekly Standard to a guy who pulled the plug on them. 
so it wasn't so so Singer sold it and and he yeah. moved to the examiner. He moved his money. To the examiner. I don't know what Singer's doing. I Somebody mean, he has, did. His, maybe he has his finger in a lot of. Anyway, fires. I don't know. But 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 the other point you're making is is right. Like if you're um if you're just like against ad hominem attacks, if you're just like against caricaturing your ideological opponents um and demonizing them, which I'm by nature inclined to do. Don't get me wrong. I just try to resist it because I think it's what's wrong with America don't. right now. What? Don't resist. Don't resist I know. It. As you know, I'm good at it. I'm good at it. I'm good at demonization. But but if you're trying you to are? resist that, oh, of course. Who have you successfully demonized? Oh, you should hear the way I talk about you. There you go. I'm, but I'm, uh, I'm not still, in your presence. Uh, not I'm your about presence. to rake in the Patreon bucks, according to you. So No, but uh, I don't want to get too self-righteous. But, but um, anyway... People should uh, support uh, Non-Zero Foundation on Patreon until you uh, agree to become part of the well, money grab. I, I, the only obvious solution to it is uh, to cultivate, make some, make it somehow upscale to join your, become a reader and supporter of your middle-of-the-road organization the way the New Yorker cultivates upscale, maybe middle brow, but there are people who, you have to get the snob factor working for you. So, uh, if you, you reject the extremes of left and right, you're an erudite snob, you subscribe to Bob Thank Wright's you. magazine. Thank you. Somehow. Uh, and, and use, you want to monetize the class differential in your favor. So, you want to be able to tell, to, to, uh, to A, get money from these people, and B, if anybody cares about advertisers, get advertisers. But I guess no. uh, I think Substack, they don't like advertisers. I think uh, uh, unless you have a robotic vacuum cleaner, there must be somebody in your neighborhood doing lawn. It's lawn a leaf blower. Yeah, those should be banned. Gasoline, gas-powered ones should be banned. It's a gas-powered one. Let me let me close the door here. Um, an hour and thirty-seven minutes. Is that a record? Uh, no, but I think we're through. Okay, so. Latest uh, podcast name nomination is uh, what is it? Sanguine Pangolins? I'm not sure. I I I, uh, I think that was it. The um I, the more I think about Boomer Doomcast, the more I think that's not bad. That, that's kind of us, right? That's okay. Somebody proposed that. Finally, I remember when we worked on a K Pro, Bob. I did have a K Pro. Did you? Yes, of course. K Pro two, great machine. Um, a little on the heavy side. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you, as I recall, you used to hire um, illegal immigrants to carry yours. That would be Justin Walfers who did that. Oh, yeah. Let's not get in. See, that's a good example. My instinct is to demonize that guy because I find him annoying, but I'm going to resist that because what's wrong with America today is wanton demonization. Um, so you did not I, watch the Jeffrey Epstein Netflix thing. We can't talk about that. Although if we if we did do deep dive on that, that's a good example of bonus content on Patreon. People you were going to describe it. You said we could do it if I didn't watch it, but yeah, but we're running out of time. We'll do it next time. Okay. And then you okay. didn't listen to the podcast "Wind of Change." No, and I didn't I, for all I know, Justin Walfers never doesn't hire illegals, so that was a mistake. That was a cheap shot, Mickey. Mistake uh, a cheap shot. He does hire this, a lot of servants. Do you know the song "Wind of Change"? Is that a Bob Dylan song? No, by the Scorpions. He was huge in no. Russia. No. This podcast 
starts with the rumor that it was actually written by the CIA. Never reduces any significant. Ev- Oops, plot spoiler. Time to okay. I'm giving. I'm pausing for people to click off. Um. Never reduces any actual evidence to that effect, but uh, and it's for that reason kind of disappointing. And yet, I emerged uh, from the podcast thinking it's probably the case that the CIA did did support the song "Wind of Change." Well, that would be a brilliant move if they did. How do you know? You don't even know the song. Who actually wrote it? Well, it obviously had some sort of impact, right? It was big in Russia. I don't know if it had the impact, but are the know. Scorpions a Russian group? German. Uh, I'm surprised you don't know. You're 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 uh, no. You're all over this stuff. Okay, um, so uh, if anybody is still around, I'm a fan push- of I am a fan of Krautrock. Is that German rock? Yes. That's not a very nice way to put it. That's the way it's universally referred to. I would never say that. Okay. Um. Don't forget to press the like button on YouTube if you're still around. And uh, give us your feedback. I take it seriously. For example, a couple of people told us that last week we were unfocused at the beginning. And I fear we may have been this week, too. Um, totally. But, I mean, people are demanding this is free. Well, that's what I'm saying, you know? Mickey. Give them grounds I mean, to gripe. Let's give them, let's give them then some. They, that just gives them more grounds to gripe. Then they're paying $20 for it. And then, then we're going to have to actually listen to what they say. Yeah, but then you and I are leading the high life, you know, totally indifferent to their gripes because we got so much money, we don't care. That's the way this business works. I'm leading the high life already, Bob. Yeah, it uh, looks like it. Um, doesn't, get, doesn't get any better than this. No. Okay. No, I know you're gonna you're gonna after after I click stop, you're gonna get out the boogaloo shirt and party. Um. So we'll see you, I guess, next week. Uh, so I think I think you know we should we should we'll have this whole business model thing worked out by next week. So people should stay tuned. Plus Epstein. Okay. All right. Um, Great. Okay. See ya. See ya.